Everybody clap your hands. Somebody worship Jesus this morning. Hallelujah.
to be praised. Come on. He never failed us yet. Hallelujah. He never failed us yet. Amen. 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 Praise God the Lord. Bless you. You may be seated for a few minutes. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to join the Psalm of David when he said, One thing have I desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temper. He never failed me yet. And I'm sure we can raise our hand this morning and say he never failed us yet because that's the God that we serve. Amen. Regardless of what's going on in our life, we have a God that never failed us. We fail ourselves many times. We try to accomplish things in life and we just can't get there. But when we trust God with all our hearts and all our mind, God will make sure we be successful. Amen. 
We want to greet everyone this morning, our online congregation. We thank you for tuning in with us this morning. We pray God will bless us. And I pray you have the same testimony this morning that our Lord never fail us yet this morning. Praise God. Everyone in the house of God, we welcome you this morning to the house of God. Just feel free to worship the Lord this morning. We have a liberty to worship God in the freedom. Amen. So we want to take advantage each time we get the privilege to worship God. Don't be afraid to worship God. Amen. I'm here in the house of God because I love the Lord. Because of all that He has done for me. Nothing good that I have done. But because of His love to me. You know, I woke up this morning and I said to my wife, Oh, it's just hard. You just can't stay in bed late. But you know something? We get up every day and we go to work five days a week, four days a week, six days a week for some of us. And then when we come into the house of God sometime, it's hard because we want to kind of lay back a little bit. But listen... Don't lay back on God. Give everything that you have for God. Amen. Because it's only what you do for Christ will last. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you all. Amen. Everybody say it's offering time. One more time. It's offering time. Amen. I like that hand just Sister Stacy. She have her hands up. It's offering time. Amen. You, you know, I walk over to Sister Stacy this morning and she said, I'm so glad that we are, we are legit now, you know. Amen. 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 So I, I'm happy for them. Amen. This morning. God is such an awesome God. God is so good to us. Amen. And I'm so happy for everyone that is here this morning. So we're going to invite you all to stand if you can. Amen. Give a good offer. Remember, we're in the process of trying to get our building. So if you want to be a blessing, amen. You know, we're trying to raise $1.7 million. But if somebody have more, you want to give. If you have a little bit less, we'll still take it. And we want to thank everyone for your contribution. There's a lot of people been supporting and putting towards our building fund. Uh, we're not there yet. We still need to raise $1.7 million. Amen. And as soon as we get there, we're going to be as transparent as possible. And we're going to let you know when we get there. Amen. Amen. Because, amen, we're doing this unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to give a good offering. Remember, if you're paying electronically this morning, it's to my right, your left. Brother Jordan is over there. You can see him. We'll take your electronic payment. If you're paying online, you can pay. You can go to www.mycc.faith. And if you're paying PayPal, you can go to uh, PayPal at Christ Center Church uh, for PayPal. And for Cash App, it's the Cash App. And the dollar sign CCC 2711. So those are your method of payment that you can give your blessing unto the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Because only when we give, we receive. Amen. Amen. So give a good offering this morning. Remember, we have our baskets in the front and those are in the center. So feel free to, um, to be a blessing. We, in fact, we have a, a, a little water bottle back there that take coin only so if you have any loose change that you want to throw in the bottle back there you know you can put all your loose coin in the bottle that's only for coins only if you put a paper in there it kind of bulky it up so it won't receive the adequate coins that it needs so that is for coins only amen be a blessing this morning father god we love you we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place oh god as we're about to receive this morning's offering we ask your blessing upon our givers oh god for those that are in the congregation this morning our online congregation lord god that you'll bless them likewise oh god i pray that you will continue to open up doors for us and make ways when there seems to be no way. We give you glory and all the honor. We ask your will to be done. Not my will, but your will be done. As we continue to worship you in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 
Everybody said amen. Amen. Continue to worship the Lord with us in Jesus' name. Praise God.
all give the Lord praise. Clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Just tell him how much you appreciate him. Tell him how much he's been good to you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. You've been good to us, oh great God. You've been good to us. Oh, thank you, Lord. God has been good to us. He deserved the praise. He deserved the honor. We serve the all-powerful, the almighty. He's amazing and magnificent. We ought to brag on God more than we brag on God. If you had a rich uncle, you will brag on him. If you had a rich son or a rich daughter, a famous person in your family, you would brag on them. And our God is famous. He's rich. He's all of what you all, you, you may be bragging on with your family. Our God is all that and more. Why don't we brag on him some more and say, God, you're, that's what praise is. It's bragging on God. You're amazing, Lord. You're wonderful. None is like you. And I'm grateful you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Brag on God, church. Doesn't matter what nobody else think about him. Nobody don't care about your rich uncle but you. So don't you be afraid to brag on your God. If they don't want to care, that's their business. You care, that's your God. Just brag on him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Speaking of uncle, amen. We had a great time at Izzy and Stacy's wedding this past Friday. It was just such a quaint, intimate moment and wedding and we had a good time and Stacy and Izzy tied the knot. Amen. They are a testimony. They are a testimony to God and part of the testimony is they'll tell you they've been boyfriend and girlfriend or man friend and woman friend for a long time and and they live together and guess what? Their pastor never went to them and told them why you're living together. And not married. Ask them. Their pastor never said that to them. I just kept loving them, preaching the word to them. And whatever they felt like they needed to do, they allowed the word of God to be the deciding factor on why they did what they did. And they did it God's way Friday. And I'm so proud of them and excited for them. Be a blessing to them. If you can, give them a, a, a little gift and saying, hey, congratulations. That w that's what we normally do when people get married. But I just appreciate that. And th that's how we want to do every. They're an example of how we all should be with one another. Listen, all of us have things wrong in our life. So let's not act like we have it all together. OK, so when you see something wrong in somebody's life, don't be so quick to point it out to them. Can you just pray for them and love them and let God point it out to them what they need to do? Because when God does it, it gets done right. Amen. And so that's one of the things I really appreciate about what transpired in their holy matrimony is just God working in it. And I thank God for them. They had they had a few reasons why they didn't need to get married in their mind, but they let God have his way in their life. So they are a testimony as you see them sit together this morning. They've been together a long time and I got a chance to meet Stacy's mom. And trust me, Stacy is an offspring for sure. I mean, her mom is her mom. Bossy, strong-willed, got it together. She know what she's doing. Don't mess with her. Nice, 
time, but she know what she's doing. <laughs> and so I got a chance to meet Stacy's mom, and she was just such a nice lady. And then um, Stacy's aunt and her uncle, her uncle and I, my, y- your poor aunt. Um, so, so our uncle is sitting over here, aunt there, and I'm next to the aunt, and we just going over talking to her, and she's like, I've heard all these stories already, but we just we just kept talking. Her uncle, um, oh man, you know his story was amazing to me, so I couldn't stop talking to him, Ethan. Her uncle um, was in the Air Force, and he um, flew the planes that refueled the fighter jets. You know I was in that. <laughs> I just couldn't stop talking to him. And so he just gave me all the story. Just think about trying to refuel a fighter jet going 350 miles per hour in the air, and you got to line up, sync up, fly at the same speed, and then you're feeding fuel to it. Your, t- your plane is still with the fuel. That plane is going low. And so when you first started feeding the fuel, your plane is heavier, but eventually... As the fuel is going up to the other one, your plane gets lighter and the other plane gets heavier. I mean, you got to take all of that into consideration to keep it all, you know, balanced. And I said, man, that was some amazing stuff. I was just listening like a kid in a candy store. I enjoyed him. And so. (laughs) I enjoyed him. He was such a nice fella. And um, so we had a good time. We had a great dinner afterwards. And so thank God for that. Amen. I also want to say how much I appreciated the Harveys last week. Did you enjoy them? I enjoyed the Harveys last week. Amen. As a matter of fact, we enjoyed them so much. Someone came this morning and says, hey, I want to send them an offering. And I'm like, by all means, come on, let's send the Harveys uh, an offering. And they were in our district this entire week. And every time they met up with another pastor, they posted online on Facebook how they just had a good time with that pastor. And so I'm glad we show up, and I can't wait to tell the district at district conference this Friday how they just was just stellar. Every church that had them treated them like royalty, and we just had a great time with the Harveys the, the entire week in our district. So our district, um, I'm really proud and just glad for what God is doing and how we're coming together. It's going to be slowly but surely. Yeah, and, and good things just don't happen overnight like that. It, it's going to take some work. And always remember... You will only reap what you sow. You can't reap stuff that you didn't sow. Amen. You will only reap what you sow. And so trust God. And it's the same in how you serve God, how you live for God. Um, This is off script here, but let me say this because I believe someone needs to hear this. Because we haven't sown like we need to sow in our relationship with God, we're not reaping what we could reap. Let me go as far as to say this to you. There's a scripture that says God owes no man. It sounds simple, but it's heavy. And John, what that means is God will never, ever allow you to praise him, to worship him, to give to him, to serve him in any capacity without giving back to you more than what you gave to him. Now, we're not doing it for God to do this and do that, but that's just who he is as God. Like, like he's, he's not telling you serve me because I'm going to do this for you, and we shouldn't serve him because he's going to do this. But he is just such who he is that he can't help himself that if you worship me, I got to do something for you. 
If you praise me, I got to do something for you. If you give to me, I got to outgive you. Whatever you invest in God, God can't help himself. He, he has to outdo you in what you did for him. He can't help it. It's just the way he is. So a lot of times we're missing out because we won't sow anything. We won't even sow thank you, Jesus. We won't even sow lift our hands. We won't even sound so into raising our voice, clapping our hands, worshiping him. We won't sow, and we don't realize just those little things God is saying, I will not let you do that without responding to you. But we miss it, and it goes by the wayside, and we never really realize, wow, you know. And I'm not telling you this for you to feel guilty to do it. I'm telling you this to let you know how good God really is. He cannot allow you to do anything for him that he doesn't outdo you because he's God. What do you think he's going to do just as you do? No, because you're not God, but he's God. So he will always outdo you. You've heard me say I call him the topper. That's my nickname for God, you little topper. Trust me, me and Jesus will get a good laugh out of that when I get to heaven. I call him a little topper because because whatever you think he's going to do, he's going to top you. He a topper. Yes, ma'am. Don't say that again. What? There's some word that I don't know about. I ain't got nothing to do with that. My mind is not there. I'm glad I'm getting ready to preach when I'm getting ready to preach because my mind can't comprehend whatever y'all thinking about that, that I just said that was wrong. God is a topper. And what that means is whatever you do, God will top it off and give you better. I don't know what they back there. I don't, I don't know what they thinking about out there. I have no clue. But I ain't worried about it. Please. God has been good to me. And every time, you know, I, I know God does something for me. It's always, he always outdo me in whatever he does for me. Always. He always taught me. Amen. Yesterday, we had a great team of people go out into the street and evangelize. And we had a great time. Amen. I thank God for all of you that came together. We prayed. We went through some scriptures and we went out and we just let our light shine and we talked to a lot of people. And um, the last person I talked to was a, a young man by the name of Curtis. And I started talking to Curtis because I try to do like Jesus. And Curtis had on a, um, a mask that had Bob Marley on it. So you know me, I got to draw some kind of, you know, you know, some kind of, you know, I know what's going on here. And so I said to him, hey, what's, what, what's your mask? You know, I'm playing dumb. And he runs through it. Yeah, oh, yeah, Bob Marley. And he's, yeah, so I'm still playing dumb for a little bit. And he said, yeah, my dad is Jamaican. I'm like, yeah, I'm still playing dumb for a little bit. Let him keep talking a little bit. And so I said, okay, okay, what's his name? And um, he, he told me, I said, well, you know, most Jamaicans go by nicknames. So, you know, we probably don't know him by Curtis. And, you know, we had a good conversation. And so he said, you know what? I got to tell you the truth why I'm not going to come to church. He says, my mom was faithful to church. And she gave her tithes and offering, and she was in church every day. And when she passed away, the church did nothing for her. That's not the first time I hear stories like that. And that's why we take for granted what we're doing, and we don't realize we represent Jesus when we get saved. 
And the impact we're going to have on our world is going to let the world see Jesus or not see Jesus. And that broke my heart. Um, but I told Curtis, I said, but Curtis, here's the story. This is how good God is. God allow you to meet me today because God wants you to give him another chance to show you that he is good. And those people made a mistake, but he doesn't make mistakes. And he wants you to know he loves you and your family. And he wants to give you, uh, 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 he wants you to give him another chance to help you know his word and know his truth. And so church, we have to be like Jesus. We have to be really, truly about his business and not just, you know, say we're Christians because people are looking at us and people that are not saved, they don't get to see Jesus until they see us. It's not until they see us that they get a chance. And then when they get their personal relationship with God, then they eventually get to see who he is. But initially they see you and me who are Christians. So think about that. So pray for Curtis. We're going to pray in a little bit before we get into the word of God. And um, that, that kind of um, rests on my mind yesterday. He was the last person I spoke to. And he did say, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to come to church. Amen. This morning I woke up, of course, when I saw the rain, I shook my head because about three people were sincere about coming to church yesterday. And I know how it worked because I know uh, when people encounter us, I can tell when someone is sincere and when they're not. And a lot of times, as I told the team yesterday, a lot of time people, when we encounter them, they really do want to come to church. They're sincere about saying they want to come. But from the time we run into them at probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock yesterday in the street, by the time we run into them and Sunday morning come, a lot has transpired. And so because of all that that transpired, they never really get to come sometimes that first time around because a lot has transpired. And so they, they really wanted to come. I never think bad of anyone that says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come, and they never make it. I know what happened. You know, they're not saved. Who knows where they went last night? You know, had every intention, but they never made it in because, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, but we'll continue to pray for them and that God will lead them into the house of the Lord. But we did what we were supposed to do, and we'll continue to trust God to do what he needs to do in their life. Amen. If you will stand with me this morning, we're going to pray. There's a lot of prayer requests this morning. There are people that are sick that we need to pray for them. And um, so let's pray for those who are sick um, and pray for those who have need. Uh, a lot of folks have need. And pray for our service this morning. Um, I'm, I'm asking and maybe even challenging you as well to see how, will, how much will you get involved in the, in the service this morning. Um, um, how much... Will you give of yourself to the word of God in your response to the word of God? The Bible says that we must receive the word of God mixed with faith. If you just hear the word of God intellectually, you might miss it and it would just be stored away in your mind. And that's all it will be is knowledge. But if you hear the word of God mixed with faith, it's going to do something in your life. It's going to it's going to work in you and through you. So. Let's pray that we will respond to the word of God. And even while the preaching is going on, we'll respond to the word of God in a favorable way so God can do what he needs to do. So let's pray for those who are sick and, and those who have need this morning and pray for our service this morning. Will you do that with me? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we are so grateful to be gathered together again. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, your kindness and your grace, your, your love. Oh, God, we ask for your will to be done this morning. 
Father, you know there's many that are among us that are sick in their body. There are many, Lord God, that is a part of this great congregation, Lord God, that are sick in their body. I pray this morning that by your stripe, each and every one of them will be healed, that you will touch them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, and that, Lord God, you will remove from them all sickness, all disease, all ailment, all infection. Lord God, I pray that you'll remove from their body all impurities, and that, Lord Jesus, your healing virtue will flow in their body, that they will be made whole this morning. For every person that have need, I pray, Father, that you will exceed their need like only you can. You know every need that we have this morning in this house and those that are part of the service virtually. You know the need, Lord, and I pray that you will exceed every need. Lord, help us, and I pray that the power of God will manifest among us and that we will experience signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstration in your house today. I pray that somebody will respond to the word of God in faith, obedience, and oh God, in action, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, let your will be done, your kingdom come, we pray that your anointing be upon me as I speak your word, let your will be done, almighty God, place me in the flow of your spirit that we will reap from heaven this morning, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen, let's clap unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 17. You can look on with us in your Bible, your device, or the project screen. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I've read that text many times and don't always make sense of it. And I'm trying to figure it out, trying to make sense of it. Weight of glory. What does that really mean? I'm sure there are people that can dig deep into it, but I just kind of looked up the word glory in that particular text. And if you study your Bible, sometimes you'll see different words same word used in different texts, but you have to go deeper to find out what does it mean in this particular text and try to get the real meaning. And so when you look up the word glory in this text, it translates honor. It translates honor. So if we read it this way, if it translates honor, it would say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, work it for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of honor. So the honor bestowed upon you is going to be great, no matter what kind of affliction you go through. And understand this. He made it clear to us that the troubles of this world are extremely light burdens compared to the eternal weight of honor. So whatever you're going through at this time and will go through, the Bible says they're light comparing to the honor that will be bestowed upon you. Whatever affliction, whatever struggles, whatever you're going through that's difficult, whatever pain you're experiencing, whatever that's just not right in your life that you're fighting with and struggling with, all of that, the Bible is telling us that it's light comparing to all the honor that God will bestow upon you when you finally get to heaven. Verse 18, 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Those are some things, some words to meditate on. The things that are seen are temporal. They're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. One of these days, we will really grasp this Christian life the way we need to. Because the Bible calls our affliction light. And then it goes and calls the things that we see temporary. But the things that we focus on the most, affliction, and what we see. How do we work past that? How do we work past always having to respond and give attention to and let our afflictions control us? And then everything that we see control us. And the Bible is telling us, Light, don't even pay it no mind. Light, but don't pay it any mind. That's what the Bible is telling us about the things we focus so much on. And those are the things that are causing us to lose out. Those are the things that are causing us to struggle and not be who we ought to be in Christ. The afflictions and all that we see. They rule us. They control us. And if we continue to let them rule us and control us, the day will come where we're going to be so regretful. People that get older in age and live that life to get older, if they will tell you the truth, they will tell you that most of what they struggle with is regret. If you're fortunate to live a long life, as as much as you think that those that live long will like, oh, life is great and wonderful, in their quiet time, most of what they deal with is regret. Affliction that controls us, and now the things that they were focused on looking on no longer matter. That's why you regret. That is why you have a lot of regret, because the afflictions that you're dealing with that, oh, you know, you get mad at people, you don't want to deal with people because you feel like your situation and what you're going through. So you don't want to deal with stuff and you're mad and why God ain't doing it. And so that controls you. And over here, everything that you see, you just engage in. And when you get to 80, 85, if you're fortunate. You regret because you're looking back now and realizing how they didn't matter. And God has given us the answer to the test and we won't use the answers. God has already given us the answer to the test, which is light. So don't let them be such a burden to you. Temporary, the stuff that you're looking at. So don't even pay too much attention. He gave us the answers. 
But will we continue to let those two things rule us and control us? Because if we do, if we're fortunate enough, or I don't know if that's fortunate to get to 80 and 85, all we're going to be doing is regretting all that we've allowed to happen in our life. And God had already given us the answer. You may be seated. Present day society is constantly changing. Somebody say changing. Change is expected and people spend their lives trying to keep ahead of changes. This passage highlights what is permanent, forever, or everlasting. Something which believers can plant their feet and know that is solid. Something that will always be there, no matter what changes. Brother Scarlett said it this morning, only what we do for Christ will last. Why? Because Christ doesn't change. So whatever you do for Christ will always be on firm foundation. It will always be there because it never changes. He never changes. The Apostle Paul knew that nothing in this life lasts forever. Paul knew that the hardship he endured was slight, momentarily affliction in comparison to how he would enjoy God's presence and goodness. Listen. The more the affliction, the greater the glory that will be bestowed upon us. The Apostle Paul, many would say, is known as the greatest apostle. He did not see Jesus like Peter saw Jesus and John saw Jesus. And Luke saw Jesus. He did not see Jesus like they did. But for some reason, he was considered the greatest apostle. Now, some people, some even churches have made Peter more important. But the apostle Paul is more significant if we read through the scriptures because almost two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. But guess what? He had more affliction than all the other apostles. That's why he wrote this. Paul had more affliction in his life than all the other apostles. So he can say, they're light comparing to the weight of glory. The honor that I will experience in God's kingdom forever and ever and ever. So don't you worry. The more suffering and affliction and challenges that you go through in your life, if you trust Jesus and you walk with Jesus, you don't have to worry. God owes no man nothing, and he will let you know, I will not let you go through all that for nothing. He will not let you go through all of what you have gone through and will go through for nothing. That's not the kind of God we serve. So when you're going through, think about it. 
I need to trust God. I need to trust God. I don't need to waver. I don't need to complain. I don't need to go tell somebody that, you know, you know, what's wrong and why things aren't working. I just got to shut my mouth and talk to him and him alone. I just got to communicate to him. I just got to know to put all my trust in him because he's a good God. And he's not going to allow me to go through all this without allowing me to experience some honor and some goodness. Our troubles should not diminish our faith or disillusion us. We should realize that there is a purpose in our suffering. There is a purpose in our suffering. You will not be a child of God and suffer for no reason. Now I'm saying all this, church, but don't miss what's the most important thing. You got to be a child of God. You you, got to trust him and obey him. Because what happens a lot of times, here are some of the most difficult conversations I will probably have with individuals. Pastor, why is this? And I know their life, and I'm like, you're not really faithful to God. You're not really submitted to God. You're not really living for God as he, he commanded you. And so now you're expecting God to do something for you when you weren't really being faithful to him. I, I, I usually don't have those conversations. I'm just saying it out loud today that that's the hardest conversation because I got to try to make you feel better without telling you that. I got to try to make you feel better about your situation without telling you that. That sis, bro. You can't just live any kind of way you want and just say godly things. And then when things come up, you just expect for everything to be all right because you said godly things. Because in your mind, you believe that you have a relationship with God. Because that's what happens a lot of times. We say a couple of words that's from the Bible. We, you know, do a little godly things here and there. We go to church every once in a while. And then we say, we expect for God to show up and show out in our situation. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And we want God to show up and show out in our situation. And he doesn't. We get so hurt. And we get so disappointed. And we get so frustrated. And we don't really want to live for God. And we don't want to be in church. And then if you had that conversation with me, I can't tell you that. Not unless you really be, not unless you really come and say, tell me the truth. If you say, tell me the truth, then I would tell you the truth. But if you're fussing and, 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 and whining about what's wrong, but I look and I'm like, I know what's wrong. And so I want to tell you that all of what I'm saying, you have to make sure you're in Christ. I'm not telling you God can't bless you if you're not in Christ. Please don't get it twisted. Because here's another thing that sometimes we miss. Well, God bless me. I know he does. The Bible says he reigns on the just and the unjust alike. So don't believe that because he blesses you that he has to respond to your pain. And he has to respond to what your suffering and your struggles are. He does not have to. All right, I'm going in a different direction now. Okay. Okay. So somebody asked me, somebody asked me this the other day can't remember who I'll, I'll get to that part in a second somebody asked me the other day about 
what, what's so important about being born again, being baptized? And here was the explanation. I think I might have said it on our Bible study. And so here is the explanation. When you're coming to church and you're listening to me preach, when, when, when you're here and, and you just come and you enjoy the word of God, like, ah, oh, that was good, and you read your Bible and everything and all that stuff, you know what that's like? That's like a casual dating relationship with God. So you're coming to church, you read your Bible, thank you, Jesus, you say amen. That's like a casual dating relationship with God. If you're dating someone and, and you happen to be financially okay and you die, who gets your stuff? When you're dating someone and you die, you don't sit on the front pew at a, a church service. They don't come to you and say, uh, so what should we? No! They go to the parents, grandparents, the uncles. You don't, you don't have no say-so when you're dating someone and something happens to them. You want to hear something funny, and you probably know a little bit about them because you, you, you're with them regularly, but you still are just dating. When you're married to somebody, and something happens. Your mother-in-law, your father-in-law could be mother all they want, father all they want. You are the shot caller. Something happened to your spouse, you the shot caller. Not the mom, not the dad, not the kids. No, you the shot caller. Getting saved, being born again, makes you married to God. I hope I got it clear to you. So what I'm trying to tell you is, as long as you're dating... Yeah, he's going to bless you and treat you nice. And yeah, y'all going to have a good time. But he's not obligated to do anything for you. When you're married, your spouse is obligated to do what they're supposed to do for you. That's the difference. That's why we have wedding ceremonies. This is why we get hitched and they call it the hitch, whatever you want to call it. Because it's a whole different ball game when marriage takes place. And when you get saved by being born again of the water and of the spirit, you have entered into a marriage covenant with God. He got to show up now for you. So now when you're crying, now when you're frustrated, now when you're saying, Lord, what is going on here? He has to come and be with you. Even if he doesn't do anything, he's going to have to be there with you and comfort you because you belong to him and he belongs to you. But if you ever get born again, when you start struggling, there's no guarantee that he got to come. And that's what we deal with a lot of times. And folks are frustrated because in their mind, they're, they're Christians. And God is saying, you haven't entered a, a, a real bona fide covenant with me yet. I'm not obligated. Nor are you. Neither are you. So if we are in covenant relationship with him, our troubles must not diminish our faith or disillusion us. We should realize that there is a purpose in our suffering in Christ. You got to realize that. 
God, why is this happening to me? You can say that when you're born again and living by faith. God, why is this happening? And even if he doesn't tell you, at least you know. But I'll be all right. If you don't want to tell me, Lord, you know. Our problems and limitations do have benefits. In case you don't realize it, our problems and limitations, they do have benefits. What are some of the benefits of our problems and limitations? They remind us of Christ's suffering when we're suffering. What else do they do? They keep us from pride. Uh-huh. If you never go through anything, you think, I can say this. If I never had, I'm, again, you know, I'm, I try to be as transparent as I can. If I never had issues and struggles in Christ, I don't think I would be standing here today. You want, you want me to tell you why? If I, listen to me. Th- th- listen to what I'm saying. If I didn't have issues and struggles and gone through a lot of things in Christ, I wouldn't be standing here today. You want me to tell you why? I'll tell you why, Ethan. I probably would deal with people in such a prideful way that I couldn't, God wouldn't trust me. He wouldn't use me. Because my, my position would always be, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? If I didn't have my downfall. I'll be looking at you like, what's your problem? Why aren't you worshiping the Lord with disdain? Like I got a problem with you. But because I went through my stuff in Christ, if I ever fix my mouth to look at you or say something to you in that kind of way, he might strike me down right then and there. Yo, you hypocrite. If I ever fix myself to try to look down on any one of you, he will say, you hypocrite, and he will deal with me harshly. So I know that if I didn't go through, if I didn't have problems, if I didn't have situations, that I couldn't be here today. And so that helps you not to have pride. What else helps you to not be able to, to, to when you're going through struggles? What else? It caused you to look beyond this brief life. And so... What happens when you have problems? It makes you say, you know what? This is not going to last forever. And you look beyond this life. Problems and limitations also help you to prove your faith to others. Problems and limitations also, they help you to give God an opportunity to demonstrate his power in your life. We all want God to do great things in our life. But we got to suffer some things for him to do great things. For God to raise the dead, somebody got to die. For God to heal the sick, somebody got to be sick. For God to let limbs grow back, somebody got to lose their limbs. And that all those things I've said has happened. People, limbs grow back. So we got to go through stuff for you to be able to help somebody or to be used by God. You're going to have to experience some things. So when you sit with them, you can give them your experience of what God has done for you. Nobody want to hear from somebody that that never had any experience where God has come into their life and has done something for them. 
your problems and limitation, they bring an eternal reward if you just endure till the end. The Bible says they that endure till the end shall be saved. It didn't say they that have a good life till the end. A lot of people living for God want the life to be rosy and merry and everything just good all the time. But you got to go back to the scripture that says they that endure till the end shall be saved. So if you got to endure, it means there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be a lot of things that will come your way. But Jesus says, just endure it till the end and you will be saved. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Our ultimate hope when we are experiencing terrible illness, persecution, or pain is the realization that this life is not all there is. You got to know that, church. This life is not all there is. I know some of us are young and we're having fun and we're experiencing the best time of our life, but this life is not all there is. Dr. A. W. Tuzer used to remind that the invisible world described in the Bible was the only real world. What do you mean, preacher? In case you don't know, the invisible world influence or the invisible world is what controls the visible world. Now, we don't like to go there because we feel uncomfortable with that because most of us are not dealing with the invisible world most of us touch what we can see most of us are only dealing with the visible stuff so when we hear invisible we just kind of disconnect or we disregard because we don't want to go down that road that just sounds superstitious but the invisible world is what controls this visible world Who had ever seen God? But the Bible says in the beginning, God created. How did the world get created? By an invisible God. God created. The Bible also says, and God breathed his breath into man's nostril and man became a living soul. What made us living? Breath of God. Can we see that? Nope. The Bible says the tabernacle that was in the wilderness was first constructed in heaven and they were just a pattern being made here on earth today we're in church and we're in this building but the way how our church service is normally conducted is by the process of the tabernacle it's a pattern that's already established in heaven that we're practicing out here on earth the unseen world controls the seen world whether you like it or not yeah. If we would only see the visible world the way God wants us to see it, we would never be attracted by what it offers us. I'll say that again. If we would only see the visible world the way God wants us to see it, 
we would never be attracted by what it offers. Well, how can you say that, preacher? I'm enjoying all that it offers. Well, let's tap into the knowledge of God again. First John 2 and 15. First John 2 and 15 says, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. <laughs> Man, <laughs> he's, not making, he's, he's not making it easy here. He's, he's hitting on every cylinder, everything. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. But God, you made the trees. God, you made the seas. God, you made all the, some of the stuff that I'm looking at here. You're saying not love it when you made it. What's going on here, God? But let's go back to his word. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Well, let's see why he's saying this. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So let's establish this. You can't love two things at the same time the same way. You can't love two things at the same time the same way. Now, I know you're thinking about that. Because I read in the scripture that you can't love God and mammon. Uh huh. How we love is, I don't know, is distorted in some ways. If we love the way God says love, then you can't. God said to love him with all our heart, all our mind all our soul, all of our strength. Love God like that and see what else you can love like that. <laughs> Here's what God says. Then love your neighbor. I'm telling you, my Holy Ghost is helping me. Why didn't God say, love your neighbor like you love me? Why didn't he say that? He said, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because it ain't possible to love anybody else like you love God. You, you can't love your mama like you love God. You can't love your daddy like you love God. Here's a big one. You can't love your children like you love God. God, your love for God is not on any level with anything else. That's how it's supposed to be. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, not some of what's in the world, for all that is in the world, what's all in the world, God? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's all that's in the world. So he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What's in the world, God? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Then he goes on and says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now here is the big passage now. And the world passeth away. So he gave us the real good answer, Joyce. He's saying the reason why you don't love the world is because the love of the world, everything in the world, passed away. So that's what God is saying. 
everything in the world pass away. So if you love it, when it pass away, then what? Let me mess with your, get in your house a little bit. This is why spouses, people that are married, you got to love each other more than you love the kids. Thought I'd mess with your house a little bit. Why, preacher? Why we got love? Because the kids grow up and go get their own life. And when they're out having a good time, because you weren't loving each other, y'all miserable. The love you have for your children in the house, pass away. They go do what they did. And now it's you and him. Him and you. Now what you going to do? Can I just take a break and talk to, the, talk to God? Y'all might want to do that too. God, every time I read your word, I get so challenged. Every time I read your word, I get to just, it's just so, I'm so frustrated with myself that I just can't be exactly and see it like I need to and do it the way you says it. I just keep on bringing more stuff that don't belong into my life. I don't want to have all these other. I want to live this thing as pure as I can, Lord. There's so much in God's word that we don't understand. And there's so much that God is telling us that we overlook it or we can't conceptualize it because we refuse to submit to what he's telling us. He says, all that is in the world pass away. So that's why you don't love the world. And so this is why now the marriage is the, uh, your relationship with God is the most important relationship in the world. Your second most important relationship is your spouse relationship. That's just a fact. Now, if you're not married, your relationship with God, number one, your parents' relationship, your sibling relationship. But if you're married, God, and you and your spouse. It's the most important relationship. Y'all learn something today. Even if y'all leave here mad, y'all gonna learn something. The things of this world seem so real to us because we can see them and feel them. Mm -hmm. But they are all temporal and destined to pass away. Only the eternal things of the spiritual life will last. Let me give you some things in our world that we pay so much attention to. But God said these are all passing away because the world will pass away and everything in it. Let me show you some of the things that we pay so much attention to in this world that we see all the time and we focus on. Most of what we see on social media, we pay a lot of attention to that. That might not be you, but that's somebody else in here or somebody virtual. But a lot of us, a great portion of our world, pay close attention to what's on social media. What else do we pay a lot of attention to? Immoral behavior. I've never seen women uh, making a mockery of themselves like I see now. Social media has made it gone wild. You, 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 back in the day, Ethan, you all don't know about this. But they used to have what they call in New York City. They probably still have some version of it, but <laughs> oh Lord. But back in the day in New York City, this is how far the, the, the immoral and distorted and crazy world is coming from. They used to have in New York City what they call peep shows. 
You go up to a place and they have windows, Ethan. You put a couple quarters in them and the window go up and you see some ladies half naked dancing. And it goes down in about 15 seconds. And they want you to keep feeding the quarters. So for 15 seconds, you look at that like all peep show. You look at it and it go down. Boom, window closed. Got to drop some more quarters. Window go up. And so you're just feeding the quarters. That's where we used to be. Feeding the window. It going up. Now the, the lady's got it buck wild. Oh, you ain't got to go feed no window, brother. Just pay to come on my site. And you pay to get on the site and you get to see all you want to see. The point is, immorality has always been around, but we're paying more focus to it now. Treating each other unkind. We're focusing on that. And don't lie, say we're not. We're focused on treating each other unkind. We're focused on hate, hate crimes. We're focused on murder. We're focused on partying, drinking, smoking, snorting, needling, pilling. Whatever pills you take. We're focused on our big boy toys and our big girl toys, whatever they are. We're focused on our job, our money. You ready for this one? We're focused on our brand, which is called P-R-I-D-E. Did Jesus have a brand? Just thought I was just asking that just out of the blue. What brand did Jesus have? As a matter of fact, his old people tried to make him a brand. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We, we, we don't want no reputation around here. We laying low. But today, having a brand is important. I just want to know, did Jesus have a brand? Did he try to make a brand? And here is the final physical thing that we put a lot of focus and attention on. Our physical body. Our physical body. Now, church, I got to tell you, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. All that I just named to you for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they will pass away. They're not of the Father. So the things that we're focusing on uh, that are temporary, they will pass away. And when they pass away, then what happens to us? You know, I'm going to try to get through this, but I just got to follow the Spirit. Um, it's interesting how it's not, when we get older is when we have regrets. You know why we have regrets when we get older? Because everything that we used to chase have now passed away. That's why we regret when we get older. Because some, some, some older people, they become miserable. Be patient with them and love them. Because you know what that is? I have so much regret. 
because how I was living my life, now that I'm older and I can see now over my life and realize the things that were important and not important, I made a whole lot of mistakes. And I'm frustrated because there's nothing I can do about it now at this age. And so we can't allow ourselves to be caught up in the things that God said, it will pass away. But unfortunately, church, we're focused on those things more than a whole lot of other things. All these things are temporary, but it seems like these are the things we are paying the most attention to. While it is wonderful to have physical, physical vision has its limitation and dangers. Physical vision diminishes with age. Physical vision creates fear because when you see things, you now become fearful if it's something that you have fear of because you saw it. Physical vision gives rise to temptation. So when you're looking at these things, you will become fearful and you will be tempted. That's what the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life will do for you. It makes you fearful and it tempts you. Yes, we have physical eyes to see physical things, but we're not supposed to focus on the physical things we see. So when the Bible says, Look not on the things that are seen. Obviously, you're seeing it. So what does the Bible mean by that? If I'm seeing it, how can I look not? Because I'm seeing it, Lord. Focus not on the things that are seen. Focus not on the things that are seen. That's what God is trying to communicate to us this morning. Focus not on the things that are seen. Because the things that are seen, they're temporary. And sooner or or later, they will be gone from us. They're fleeting. They're temporary. But we get locked in for some reason. We get locked in because we focus on them. I mentioned this morning that you think Hollywood, we can say whatever we want about Hollywood, but they got some sense. Because They keep showing these commercials over and over and over and over and over because they know if I can get you to look long enough, I get it into your soul. And now you're going to do it. They know that. So you sitting around thinking, this commercial again. Oh, yeah, they try to get it into your soul. Oh, yeah, that's the commercial again. They're trying to get it into your soul. So you will never drive past a Taco Bell without thinking about one of the the, the chalupas. You will never go by McDonald's without thinking about their fries. They got you because you're paying attention. You pay attention long enough, it draws you in. So God is not telling you to act like you don't see it. You see it. He says, just don't pay attention to it. Don't focus on it, because if you focus on it, you're going to get trapped by it. It's going to pull you in and you're going to be trapped and can't get out because you're focused on it. Listen. We shouldn't focus on the things that are temporary. We got to ask ourselves, what are some of the temporary things I am focused on? People's behavior, 
temporary. We got to challenge ourselves and ask, what are some of the temporary things I'm focused on? So I move to the next portion of the text. We're not supposed to focus on the things that are temporal, the things that are seen. But the scripture says we need to pay attention to the unseen. Now, Cheryl, you smart, so, you know, we got a lot of smart people in here, but I know you're one of the smart people. How in the world the Lord expects us to focus our attention on the unseen? I thought that was kind of crazy. Like, how does that work? How can you focus on something you can't see? Because that's what he's telling us. He's telling us to focus on something we cannot see. We don't look at it like, Lord, are you up there? What do you mean? Look at the things that are unseen. If we can't see it, how are we going to focus on it, Lord? (laughs) I told you, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to learn to live the way he wants us to live because all these things that sound strange to everybody else, they would just be so clear to us when we start living the way Jesus wants us to live. The simple answer in focusing on the invisible is faith. Only by faith can you see the invisible. There's no other way to see the invisible. Only by faith can you see the invisible. And church, many Christians are struggling because, truth be told, not living by faith. Living by what we can see. Living by what we can touch. And so because we're living that way, we're not living by faith, which means we are not able to see the things God wants us to see. And when we can't see the things that God wants us to see, we're going to make a whole lot of bad decisions because we're not seeing clearly. We look through a a glass darkly and we can't see clearly, but not until we see by faith. Will we see the way we need to see? And that's what God is telling us. By faith, you will see what I want you to see. When you hear the preaching of the word of God, when you read the word of God, or even when God personally speaks his word to you, you will be made able to see the invisible, the unseen. Listen to me. We've never seen Jesus Christ. Or heaven. Yet we know they are real because the word of God tells us. So let's not get ourselves discombobulated because we're trying to figure out, well, how are we going to see and all of this stuff? You already started on that track already because you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in heaven and you can't see neither. So let's just take it from there and just keep on going to ask him to help us to see the invisible, the unseen. Here's the description of faith, not the actual instruction or not the actual meaning of faith. There's there's a difference between uh, uh, description and meaning. Here's a description of faith. Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he's been telling us 
faith is the way you will see the unseen. And until we start looking by faith, we're going to frustrate ourselves and we're going to limit ourselves in who we are in Christ and what we can accomplish in Christ. Abraham walked by faith, therefore he looked for the heavenly city. He separated himself from Sodom, but Lot chose Sodom because he walked by sight and not by faith. You're going to make choices according to either what you see or what you don't see. The choices we make will be predicated on what we see or what we don't see. But God has already told us, pay attention to the things that you don't see. That's how you make your decisions. Because all of what you see is temporary. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. All of what you're seeing is temporary. All of what you're allowing to dictate your behavior and the things that you do, it's all temporary. And we're basing our decision on all that we see. And God told us the opposite. At the things that are not seen. Pay attention to the things that are not seen. So, of course, the unsaved world thinks we are odd by behaving like that. You you need to not worry about people thinking you're odd. Every one of us, let me ask this question. Every one of us have this thing in us that we want to feel special. Every one of us have this thing in us that I want to feel special. I, I, I want to feel special. And we find ourselves from time to time doing things that makes us special. Because that's the yearning in us that says, I want to be looked upon as special. And we show in different ways how we want to feel special. Why, when it comes to God, we don't carry that same thought of, I want to feel special. I want to be special and realize that the way how we live for God makes us special. How we carry ourselves in Christ makes us special. Why don't we look at being special from that standpoint? That I'm going to live for God the way he wants me to because I know he has made me special. And so when everyone else look at me and say, why do you do that? Why why do you behave that way? All my answer will be because I'm a child of God. Now you have taken care of that part of you that says, I know I'm special and I want to be treated as special. You've taken care of that by living for God. But if you continue to want to live your way and be special, you're, 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 you're struggling there. I want to be special, but I'm doing it my way. Your way is temporal. It will pass away. If I live my life according to Christ, in Christ, eternally. And so living for God, perhaps the world might think we're odd. They might even think we're crazy because we insist on the reality of the invisible world of spiritual blessings. But church, I'm here to tell you, we must be content to govern our lives by the eternal values of God and not by temporal prices. 
we need to have spiritual vision to see the unseen faith. And we can only obtain spiritual vision by the power of God. So let me run through this real quick for you so you can realize all of us here today can be able to see the unseen. All of us here today, all of us that have joined visually, can be able, can be made able to see the unseen. What do you mean by that, preacher? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. His eyes were already open. But Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. So something is going on where we can see visually, but people are still praying, God, open my eyes for me to see. So we can have physical sight, but it don't mean we're seeing what we need to see. John chapter 9 verse 39 says this, and Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind it has nothing to do with physical sight it's spiritual sight acts chapter 26 verse 17 delivering thee from the people and from the gentiles unto whom now i send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of satan unto god that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so I tell you this morning, this afternoon now, that in order to see the unseen, we have to obtain faith. In order to see the unseen, we have to seek God to enable us. And only when we begin to live by the unseen, we, uh, we begin to pay attention to the unseen, focus on the unseen, will we find ourselves living a victorious life. But as long as we pay attention to the seen, the material things, the things that will flee, is fleeting from us, that we will see all the time, sooner or later we're going to be corrupted and bankrupt because those things will not last forever. So we must pay attention to the unseen. Here are some things that are unseen. Faith. Unseen. Salvation. Unseen. Love. Unseen. The Holy Ghost. Unseen. Heaven. Unseen. Eternity. Unseen. But here is the one you can relate to. Your soul unseen that's the one you can relate to your soul is eternal church you can't see your soul but it exists your soul is real your soul is your personality it is who you are it is where your appetite comes from it's where your emotions exist your soul is really who you are as a matter of fact, when we die, Izzy, 
our physical body goes back to the dirt. Our breath in our lungs go back to the one who gave it to us, who is God. And that leaves one thing. The thing that makes you think, the things that make you have appetite, the things that make you have emotions, your soul is left. So even though you don't have a body, even though you don't have the breath of God, your soul still will exist either in the presence of God eternally or not in the presence of God eternally because your soul exists forever. It will. It never dies. Your soul cannot die because it came from God. It is the only thing that actually God did the way he did. Remember when God created everything, he spoke it all into existence. When he created us, he touched us. When he created us, he breathed on us. We came from him so we can't die. So now the question is, how important is the unseen? How important is the unseen? Because the most important thing in this world is your soul. And you can't see it. So what are you going to do about it now? Are we going to pay attention to our soul now? Are we going to pay attention to faith now? Are we going to pay attention to the Holy Spirit now? Are we going to pay attention to our salvation? Are we going to pay attention to heaven? Eternal life? Are we going to pay attention to Jesus Christ? Who we can't see right now. But he lives in us. Or are we just going to keep on being tricked? Being deceived? Wear ourselves out? Focusing on the things that we see? What are we going to do? That's the question. And so I tell you like Jesus told us, pay attention to the unseen. Let's stand. Pay attention to the unseen. Because the unseen exists forever. But the seen is temporal. The unseen exists forever. But the seen is temporal. Seek Jesus today for spiritual sight that you may pay attention to the unseen. If you can't see the unseen, you need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not seeing the unseen. And how can I pay attention to something, Lord, that I can't see? You can go to him like that because you just heard his word preach that you need to pay attention to the unseen. And the question is, if we can't see the unseen, Lord, how are we going to pay attention to it? And the answer is faith. And we can only obtain faith by hearing the word of God. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you read your Bible, read it out loud. When you, when, when you listen to preaching, you, you, you need to make sure it's mixed with faith. Because if we're going to make it to heaven, if we're going to overcome this world, we have to live according to the unseen, not the seen. If we're going to be victorious in this world, it's the way we're going to have to go. No other way. And so whatever you're passionate about today, ask yourself, is it the seen world? Is it the lust of the flesh? Is it lust of the eyes? Is it the pride of life? Is it the things that I see all the time? Or is it the unseen? 
the things that I don't see all the time. But if I get spiritual eyes, I can focus on them and see them all the time. Who we are is shaped by how we live our life, the things that we focus on. And when you hear somebody talk about something all the time, it means it's something that have had great impact on their life. It's something they focus on all the time. And so if you can just rewind and listen to all your conversations, what are they about? Is it material things that you see all the time? Is it things that are fleeting? Is it things that you, you, you know, the Bible, according to the Bible, it will pass away one day? Or your conversations has been about things that are unseen that we will live in eternity with. We need to go to God today before we leave here, sincerely asking him to get us connected to see the unseen and not pay attention to the seen. The seen is battling to overtake us. And it's all temporary. At some point in time, it's going to disappear. And if we live long enough, it's going to disappear. It won't mean anything to us. If we get sick really bad, all the stuff that we see won't mean a whole lot to us. If we get older, get up way up in age, all the things that we see won't mean a whole lot to us. We'll be thinking about relationships that we could have worked better with, could have done some better things with. Because all the things that we see don't mean a whole lot anymore. Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord God, that today your word will truly resonate with each and every one of us. And that, Lord God, we will truly allow this word to change us. That we will truly allow this word, almighty God, to move us to change. The change that will be permanent. The change that will be eternal. The change that will be forever. That will be everlasting. Will you allow this word to move us in such a way? Oh, my God, we're struggling. Oh, we're struggling. We're, we're struggling, Lord. Oh, but I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ for all of us who are in this house and that are joining us virtually who are struggling because the seen world, the material world, have a grip on us, have a hold on us. And we know we ought to let go. We know we ought to be free from it. But it has a hold on us. Lord, I pray today that you will set us free. I pray today in the name of Jesus uh, that you will break every invisible chain uh, that have us bound. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray today, Lord, that you will make us free uh, and that, God, we can disconnect from all of these things uh, that holds us hostage, that have us, oh God, in a way where we're just caught up and locked in on them and not walking by faith and trusting you. I pray today, Lord God, that we will examine ourselves and allow you to have your way in us. God, I ask you to have your way in my life. For, Lord, I have my own struggles, Lord God, to make sure I don't get consumed by this material world, by this world that is 
oh God, we see a God that can possibly take control of our lives. I want you to have the preeminence in my life. I want you to have the reign. I want you, oh God, to rule in my life. Where, Lord Jesus, it's the unseen, the spiritual things that I'm locked in on, that I'm paying attention to, because those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things, Lord God, that will work for me for an exceeding weight of glory. Oh, God, have your way today, Lord. I pray for each and every person that is a part of this service today, whether in person or virtually, Lord. I pray for them in their struggles today and throughout this week and forever, Lord. Help them, Father, to fight the good fight of faith, to not trust in their flesh, to not trust in material things, to not trust in the scene, but to trust you and look to you for you to help them to dwell and pay attention to the unseen. Have your way today, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you honor. We love you, Jesus. We give you the praise for there is none like you. Oh, God, will you change us? I pray that somebody will surrender their life today. Somebody, surrender your life. Your soul is the most precious thing that you have control over. Your soul is the most precious thing that you have control over. Will you be born again today of the warden of the Spirit? Will you surrender your life to Jesus Christ today? Will you let him have his way in your life where he will be the Lord of your life? Where he will help you to live according to faith and not by sight? Will you trust the Lord today with your life? Will you give your life over to him? Will you surrender your life? Will you become joined together with him through the ceremony of baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Will you surrender to the Lord today and let him have his way in your life? Oh, Father, we love you, Jesus. God, as we go from this place today, I pray that your hand will be upon us and that this word will... Oh, God, continue to just be a wellspring flowing in our life, springing up in our hearts. Have your way, Lord God. Bless your people today. Give them the strength that they need to do what must be done, Lord, for them to walk into eternity when you're ready for them and be with you. Oh, God, I thank you today. I give you the honor and the praise. Will you lift your hands today? Let me pray one more time for you. Lift your hands. Father, for every uplifted hand, you at home, lift your hands with me. For every uplifted hand today, Lord God, I pray that you will do a work in their life. That, Lord, they will never be the same again. Lord, I sense that there are many that want more of you in their life. Well, today you have given them instructions. Now I pray that they will trust you. And that, Almighty God, your will be done in their life. And that they will experience the blessings of the Lord like never before. Father, have your way in their life. Bless and keep them, Lord. Let your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Give them peace. But more importantly, Lord God, guide them, Lord. Help them to walk by faith and not by sight. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I love you, church. I thank God for you. Enjoy your day.
was raised in the Talmud. 